Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Trent Moriarty for the Skyrim mod, Legacy of the Dragonborn. In addition to this mod, Legacy of the Dragonborn, Trent scored another Skyrim mod called The Forgotten City, and that one was an incredibly popular mod. We start off talking about how he's landed these mod projects. I made a post on Reddit, uh, on the Skyrim Mods Reddit, and I talked about looking for new collaborations. I said like, hey, I wrote the music for the Forgotten City mod, I'm looking for a new project to write the music for, and I kind of let it be, and I checked it the, the next day, and it kind of blew up, and it was on the front page of the, the, the subreddit, <laughs> and uh, there was a bunch of people kind of pitching their projects and um, sending me emails. It was a nice position to be in because I kind of got my pick of what looked interesting to me. And there's a couple things that stuck out to me in particular. And Ice Cream Assassin, as he's known in the modding community, sent me an email about what he had been working on. And it sounded really interesting. And he described Odyssey of the Dragonborn and Legacy of the Dragonborn, uh, both of which are projects that he and a lot of other people uh, with him uh, worked on. Okay. So I I hopped on that team, and originally I was going to start working on Odyssey of the Dragonborn. He was juggling back and forth between working on Odyssey and Legacy, and eventually the whole team decided, okay, if we're going to finish... Uh, legacy, we need to just focus on that. And so he asked me if I wanted to write the the score for for Legacy of the Dragonborn. Cool. And uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask if you could describe what the mod is about. Sure. Legacy of the Dragonborn is a museum mod for Skyrim, but it's more than just a museum. It includes characters and quests and it gives you the space to display nearly everything you could you could get in the vanilla game as well as a lot of objects in uh, other mods so it has a lot of ability to be customized and a lot of really unique assets in there like even like a hot tub and <laughs> stuff like that you think it's like okay yes. that's there but it's it's immaculately put together uh, the architecture and the layout of it. Um, it went through a lot of iteration, and that's something that I I really respected about Ice Cream Assassin is that he seemed to have uh, a really good link with the community, and he was always listening to feedback and improving things. And uh, what they ended up with is pretty remarkable.
the show to talk about The Forgotten City. You've talked to us about it before, but for those who haven't heard the episode, do you mind just giving a brief uh, overview on how you got connected with that mod? Because that was a very popular mod that got yeah. a lot of awards and attention, as did your music for it. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so that was a really interesting project. Uh, it was actually the first project I ever worked on, that first project I ever wrote the music for. And I got onto that project by seeing a post on Kotaku about it. And I noticed that they had temp music in the trailer. And I was like, okay, I think I could try my hand at this. And what's funny is it was earlier that same year that I started making music on the computer at all. Hmm. Um, so within eight months of me learning how to make music on the computer, I I sent an email to Nick James Pierce, who made the Forgotten City mod, and showed him some of the music I've done and some of my ideas of how the music for the mod could be. And he liked my work, and we decided to collaborate on that. And I think I think there's a lot of people when they work on something, it's like a surprise when it blew up, you know. Yeah. Um, but I feel like with that project, I I had this knowing that, okay, this is going to be pretty widely played. I had a lot of confidence and I just kind of felt like it had like that special spark or whatever, whatever you might call it. And mm -hmm. sure enough, I think it's the most uh, widely played quest mod ever for Skyrim. Wow. It's gotten like something crazy, like 1.8 million downloads. And so... That was a really uh, amazing project to work on. And I kind of feel like it intersected really well with a lot of the things I like to do stylistically. And so it, it kind of was just like a really good match at the time. Something that I tend to do in my music is there's an air of uh, of conflict or ambiguity. So it's what I like to write is usually not too straightforward in like, oh, this is a happy piece. Oh, this is a sad piece. What I really enjoy is sort of uh, creating uh, a tension within the music between opposing musical forces to kind of create more depth of emotion. Um, and so for the Forgotten City, I feel like that fit really well because, you know, obviously I tried to create a score that was overall melancholic, but I also instilled uh, other things too, like hope. And uh, I feel like it, it made it more effective as a, a soundtrack for it. Mm -hmm. 
And how about for Legacy of the Dragonborn? Because they do sound different. So talk yeah. to me about, uh, you know, the, those differences. Instead of, you know, it didn't seem to me like you were trying to fit yourself into this Skyrim box. You know what I mean? Yes. It seemed like <laughs> your own creation, which was refreshing. So l- let's hear about that. So with Legacy of the Dragonborn, I knew that I wanted to go a different direction. I didn't want it to feel as melancholic as what I did for the Forgotten City mod. And as I mentioned, the Legacy of the Dragonborn, like the main part of it is this enormous and gorgeously put together museum. And the the challenge was to create a soundtrack which kind of complemented all these different areas of the museum, like the natural science exhibit or the Dragonborn Hall while at the same time having it kind of feel like it fits together. Because going back to to the Forgotten City, uh, the areas kind of fit together more seamlessly than a museum does. So what I decided to do was I had a unifying theme, which I used in all of the pieces of music to some extent or another. And I let that be the unifying quality to the score, even though the pieces sometimes differed greatly in how they were orchestrated or uh, whatever else. Yeah, and talk to me some then too about how you did create the music. I mean, it's not a live orchestra, but it definitely sounds really good. You know what I mean? So, oh, thank you. Yeah, so um, if you wouldn't mind going into maybe even some detail about the kinds of samples you used or something. They just, they sound really nice. Thank you so much. Uh, I think with making music on the computer, to make a compelling fake, you need to know the real thing. Uh, I go to orchestra concerts as often as I'm able to. And I obviously listen to a lot of orchestral music and Mm -hmm. I try to pretend like I am working with an orchestra. Obviously, there are certain things which the computer constrains you uh, in, but I try to, within those constraints, still treat it like I'm working with an orchestra in its overall balance and how orchestration is done. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes it can be very frustrating working on the computer, honestly, uh, because there are certain things that are are very difficult to do on a computer, which are very easy to do with a live ensemble of musicians. And then obviously there's also the expressiveness of a live orchestra, which you can't really do. Even the people who are really good at the computer still can't do that. But I think when you give yourself the time working on the computer, you could come up with something that has some semblance of warmth and humanity and that's something i i wanted from this score uh because i wanted this score to be a little bit optimistic and have that warm quality and also instill that quality of like what is legacy and i think that's uh, an overall kind of warm subject
the music too to me sounds very adventuresome you know like mm. we're gonna go in at times and, and enjoy right. this thing so yeah yeah i wanted the music to feel adventurous optimistic and have like an air of wonder and magic uh the main theme has that sort of mysterious magical quality while at the same same time has this uplifting force to it it's sort of an anthem in a way in how it's it's put together mm-hmm. um i wanted the music to make the player feel excited that they were in this space and around all these really wondrous objects i had the um is it the Hearthstone? Not Hearthstone. That's its own game. Hearthfire. What's the What's the mm-hmm. yeah. uh, DLC mod that? Um, not mod, but the DLC. Yeah, where you get to build your own crib and stuff. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's Hearthfire. I, yep. Yes, and I loved loved filling up those houses with stuff I collected <laughs> as I went and pillaged my caves and such. And so I can only imagine how how awesome it would be to just stand in this museum of all these things you've collected and hear this great music, you know? What a cool thing. The legacy of the Dragonborn is that sort of enjoyment you're describing brought to its zenith. Yes. There's so much there's so much there and uh you're encouraged w- by different characters and there's a lot of like new assets that are there and it's it's incredible the the work that they put into this and how much they they let the player do um there's secret passages that nice. uh you could discover and like people go on go online and try to figure out some of them and it's it's really re- remarkable yeah cool when you knew that you were going to do this and you sat down to write note number one, did you know that you were – I guess this kind of is a dual question because it speaks to how you organize yourself as a composer. But I'm also curious how you know when to say when on a computer. So when you're starting, do you already <laughs> know your instrumentation or do you find that challenging to not, well, I could add 17 oboes, so why don't I add an 18th or what – you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How's uh, how's that work out for you? So what was the first part of your question? <laughs> um, do you know your instrumentation ahead of time? Since you knew you okay. were going to do an orchestral score, yes. uh, that helps, yes. obviously. But, I mean, how specifically did you know your instrumentation before you started? For certain pieces, I feel like I had a, a really good grasp of my instrumentation beforehand, especially... Uh, for parts like the airship or explorers guild i knew i wanted it to have like a very boisterous quality Mm -hmm. so i knew okay like i want some deep brass and but i feel like other times i might discover it along the way the instrumentation and the orchestration the question of when to say when really contends with one's own sense of perfectionism and i feel like knowing that you're working with a computer in this instance, uh, I feel like you could let that be something that hurts you or helps you. So if you let your perfectionism tell you, okay, I want you to do everything you would with a real orchestra on the computer, 
uh, you're going to make yourself pretty miserable usually because even though computers and samples have advanced greatly, uh, the expressiveness and freedom of a, a live ensemble of musicians is just unbeatable. So I guess the fundamental thing is, is the piece saying what you want it to say? And if it does, it's usually time to move on. There might be little things that you could add, uh, little textures, but ultimately you need to move on and remember that you're working with uh, a machine that doesn't know what music is. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like a group of musicians who, you know, have been dedicated to their craft, engaging intellectually and emotionally with the music you wrote. You know, you're kind of wrestling with this machine to uh, to get uh, orchestral sound to come out of it. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like sometimes the the confines of that could be helpful because, you know, you might come across uh, a sample that you really like and be like, okay, I'm going to try utilizing this because uh, sometimes like it's very challenging to find a sample that does something that you want. For example, with uh, the kudos piece, which is the fastest piece in the the score, it's yeah. 30 seconds long. Yeah. Uh, I, I just used uh, the Albion mostly the the Spitfire Albion okay. and uh, I because they do short notes really well <laughs> <laughs> and so I kind of just worked with that and tweaked with that and I I included some other samples in there too but I kind of confined myself to using mostly those short notes and orchestrating with that hmm. and that kind of let that piece be what it is and I made sure to uh, uh, include a lot of uh, little nods to the main theme, even in that piece of music. So, like in the middle of that piece of music, there's a there's a trumpet line with an oboe, and it it it's the main theme, just like <laughs> right on top of of everything. It's, it's it's a short little blip, but it's there. And then also the chords that I'm using beforehand are related to the the main theme as well, because I wanted it to to feel again like it, it fit in with the rest of the score So Trent, you mentioned that you would be willing to kind of dissect some of these tracks and point out where the theme appears. And uh, let's go ahead and do that with some of these, if, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. So the main theme is most obvious in the Legacy of the Dragonborn theme. And I try to put it all there, sort of unfiltered and untampered with. some of the other tracks it appears either directly or it might even appear in the harmonies uh but it's it's always there uh so for example uh 
let's do something a little bit more obvious with all aboard the airship. Okay. Uh, the beginning of that uh, starts out with a, a strong, uh, like low brass line where it utilizes the first half of the main theme. That's that first half of the main theme. And uh, I found that kind of had a uh, the boisterous quality I wanted for the airship. Because he was describing to me the sort of characters you see in the Explorers Guild. And also I just thought about the airship and this sort of swashbuckling almost quality. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I I thought it, it fit really well with that. And I kind of just play with that first half of the theme throughout most of the piece. Nice. And I... I try different harmonies with it. And like the second part of the piece is actually two solo bassoons kind of uh, playing with each other, uh, each kind of playing parts of the, the main theme and playing with the, the harmonies you could do with that. Planetarium, that's a more interesting one. Uh, Planetarium, I include the main theme influence in multiple places. So at the very beginning, there's this this well of energy, which I kind of saw as depicting the vastness of the universe. And there's a solo horn, which I saw as sort of almost yearning for meaning in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, heroic in its its resolve. And after the following woodwind interlude, it's kind of similar to the airship piece. I saw that as it's not as resolved as the airship piece, but it it's sort of a question, it's like a musical question. But at the same time, it's it's resolute in its question because I sort of use this piece to think about the vastness of the universe and how belief instills meaning and how belief instills uh, the perception of that vastness. And I, after that that choir line I mentioned, uh, I actually include the opening of the Rite of Spring bassoon line. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I wanted that to be sort of harkening back again to that idea of belief because going back to Stravinsky, who is one of my favorite composers, mm-hmm. that was sort of a unifying quality in his body of work. He was fascinated by belief, uh, the unseen but felt dynamics, which which lends like a sort of vitality to life. Mm-hmm. And so I saw including the opening of the Rite of Spring as sort of a callback to that idea. Mm-hmm. 
all the while there's this just ostinato low ostinato underneath the bassoon line which i see as almost like a tiktok of a, a clock um mm. sort of like this passage of time and the strings the high strings are kind of just being held after that that choir line i mentioned before as almost like time has frozen and time has gained like this, this infinite quality The Natural Science Exhibit was an interesting piece to work on because it uh, it's almost uh, has like a tinkering quality, <laughs> strangely. <laughs> I think I was caught up thinking about all the taxidermied creatures there in the Natural Science Exhibit. <laughs> and yeah. there's something about a taxidermied animal that is so profoundly artificial. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's like it's... It's more artificial than even like a robot. I don't know. Yeah. There's something about it. It's, it's so like unnatural, uh, <laughs> I- ironically. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had this like sort of tinkering quality to the natural science exhibit where I played a lot with uh, patterns and the interweaving of these different patterns. And these patterns utilized, you know, chords of the main theme and then sometimes more directly referenced the main theme uh, in the harmonies. And that piece has an opening bassoon line as well, although it's not Stravinsky. So during the second part where there's uh, the the wind lines, the higher wind lines, the marimba uses the chords of uh, the opening of the legacy theme. Lastly, uh, the piece to echo. Uh, this piece is one I feel pretty proud of. In particular, it's it's climax with the choir. It is very related to the legacy theme, but it it has a dis- different resolve. It leads to a slightly different place, and it has this anthemic quality, uh, this sense of unified ambition or belief. And almost like the sense of faith. And it's victorious, but there's this sense, again, like I talked about earlier, I like to instill a little bit of, of conflict. So if you listen to the lower harmonies, there's times when it seems to almost clash, but that somehow makes the voices more heroic. end of that piece i include the main theme uh in multiple ways at the same time the low harmony 
is doing the main theme, dun, 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 except it doesn't lead to the exact same place. It mm-hmm. reaches up, and then the the male choir is binding together the low harmony and the female choir on top, which is singing the main theme. And it has this very brooding quality, especially because the the low harmony kind of interjects itself in the middle of the choir's hold. And then at the end of the piece, during the grand long hold, I have the horns do a sort of a final gesture towards that main theme as sort of a, a victorious resolve for the piece. It was kind of uh, new for me in a way because I write melancholic music like very easily. <laughs> I feel like that's sort of my jam is sort of melancholy okay. or sort of that that ambiguousness. And so putting together something that was more heroic and adventurous was a neat challenge for me. And it's one I really enjoy doing. Yeah, I, I wanted, wanted it to feel very different from The Forgotten City. But at the same time, I I think that you could still you could still tell it's me. But I tried a lot of new things, and I also tried uh, some things which were technically more complicated than what I did with Forgotten City uh, in terms of tempo and uh, some of the harmonic lines. So, what's next for you, Trent? What what are you uh, musically working on now? So I've been very lucky to sort of carve out a niche for myself within the modding community. I, I have like a good reputation there. So I am sort of working on another mod project, a couple of others actually. Nice. Uh, and they're both really exciting and uh, really different from what I've done before. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I also have some private commissions that I'm putting together and uh, so it looks like 2020 is going to be filled with uh, hopefully good music from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so too, Trent. And obviously when you get those uh, other couple of mods done, you're always welcome to come back on and talk to them, uh, talk to us about them. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Trent, it was a, a pleasure to hear new music from you and I look forward to the next time we chat. So thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks. Yeah, it was great talking to you, too. Thank you for listening to episode 123 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Trent Moriarty at trentmoriarty.com, and you can see a playlist at patreon.com slash level. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc.